All right, you guys ready? A few of you are ready. All right. So there's this guy. This guy dies and he goes to heaven. And uh, gets up into heaven and it comes up to the pearly gates. And of course, St. Peter's there because St. Peter's there in every one of these corny jokes. And uh, St. Peter says, hey, you know, welcome. Welcome to heaven, man. He says, before I let you in to talk to the big guy, though. You know, it's just been such a long time since I lived. He says, you know, you just got to tell me. You got to tell me, tell me what was the, like the nicest thing you did on the earth. You know, just tell me just the nicest thing you ever did. The guy, he's just excited to be in heaven, right? So he's like, well, you know, there was this one time when I was just minding my own business, doing my own thing. And there was this old lady who was trying to cross the street. And as she's trying to cross the street, there's, she was about to get attacked by this huge, big gang of thugs, you know? And he says, you know, these guys were just the biggest and meanest guys you've ever seen, you know? And so this, this, they were going to attack her and they were going to steal her purse and, you know, uh, steal her walker and whatever else she had. And, and so, so he said, I had this, like, feeling of bravery come over me. And he said, I stood in front of that lady and I said... You will not touch this old lady. St. Peter's like, wow, you know, you're kind of a small guy. You know, you really did that? He's like, yes, I really did this. St. Peter's like, whoa, you know, like, when did this happen? And guys, I don't know, like two or three minutes ago. Uh, today, today we are going to talk on the subject of heaven. And truthfully, I think there's so many people that don't really have a full understanding of what heaven is really all about. In fact, if you were to ask a lot of people what they believe about heaven, a lot of people would say that their beliefs have been shaped by corny jokes like the one that you just heard. Or, or other people will say, well, well, yeah, I believe something about heaven. You know, and what I believe, I've learned from, you know, watching TV and watching movies. And so my generation is going to grow up believing that, that God looks like Morgan Freeman, right? Thank you. Thank you, Bruce Almighty and Jim Carrey for that. Other people believe heaven is like some, like, never-ending church service. You know, where, where everybody sits in a circle and is wearing choir robes and we sing and we sing and we sing and that's great. But then like 50 years later, we're like, can't we move on to something else? When is the church service ever going to end? And so, and so the reality is so many people are, are ignorant as to what heaven will really be like. In fact, if we were to talk about the subject of heaven and open up God's word, the apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he tells us this. He says, as it is written... What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart of man has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. He's saying, we can't even comprehend it. Our eyes can't picture it. Our, our ears can't imagine all the things that God has prepared for us in heaven. We can't picture or fathom what it's going to be like today. And so as I approach a message today on the topic of heaven, I realize, man, I'm going to fail. I don't think there's any way that I could fully give us an understanding of what heaven is going to be like. And so I realized that coming in because of what 
Paul just said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined all that God has prepared for us. And so as I'm sitting here, I'm saying, well, what am I supposed to do? How could I start by just giving you a, a, a picture of, 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 of heaven, a picture of something to wrap your mind around? And so I was thinking about this. How many of you have ever had one of those moments? One of those moments where, where everything's just right and you're like, man, I could live like this forever. Maybe, maybe you've had, maybe you can think of your mind, think back to one of those moments when you're like, man, if this moment could just go on forever, okay? We had one of these moments a couple uh, uh, months ago. My wife and I, we had the chance to take our family down to Lincoln City. And I don't know, everybody has their place they love to go. Lincoln City is our place. We just love being on the Oregon coast. It's just the most beautiful thing. And so we're down on the Oregon coast. We're sitting in, in, in our beach chairs. We've got our feet digging in the sand. I've got my wife on one side of me. I've got a good book on the other side of me. The kids are off. You know, they're, they're burying each other in the sand and getting sand in every crevice. And, and they're just playing well together. And, and, and this, for me, is one of these things where I'm like, man, if this could just go on forever. Now, there's another part of that story that we'll tell a little bit later that kind of realizes those moments don't continue on forever, no matter how much we wish they would. But this was one of those times when I just said, man, if this would go on forever, if I could just, if this was life, it would be just perfect, right? The truth of the matter is, for all of us who are believers in Jesus, not only does life get better, but in heaven, it is infinitely and indescribably better than anything any one of us could imagine. That moment that we begin to think, man, if life could be just like this forever, that moment, God has something so much better than we can even imagine in store for us. But you see, I think the reason that so many of us have a hard time getting our minds around heaven is because I believe that heaven is under attack. You see, Isaiah 14 tells a story about a dude named Lucifer. And Lucifer was a guy who was actually in heaven, and he was a very important player in heaven. But Isaiah tells a story that Lucifer wanted to be like God. And God said, I'm sorry, but that position is already taken. You cannot have that position. And so God took Lucifer and cast him out of heaven, and, and, and a third of the angels went with him. And Lucifer is who we know today as Satan, and those angels are now known as demons. And so from that time, since that time that Satan was kicked out of heaven, I believe Satan, who is the prince of darkness, who is the father of lies, I believe he has been lying to every one of us, especially on the subject of eternity. We talked last week uh, about the reality that Satan is probably trying to convince us that hell does not exist or trying to convince us that hell really isn't that big of a deal. Because if he can convince us that hell is not really that big of a deal, it will have two results. The first result would be that we would have no fear of God whatsoever. We have no fear of God at all. And the second result, if Satan can convince us that hell really isn't that big of a deal, is we would have no motivation to share our faith. We would have no reason to make Christ known to people who don't know Christ as their Savior. So I would also, that just as much as I believe Satan is trying to attack our belief in hell, I believe he's also trying to attack heaven. And I'll give, you, I'll give you two lies that I believe that Satan wants us to believe about heaven. Two lies that Satan wants us to believe about heaven. The first lie is I think he wants us to believe that heaven can wait. I mean, I mean, yeah, you know, heaven, we all want to go there someday. It would be a good place to go, but we don't have any urgency to actually get there. Because 
the reality is most of us, we like the way things are on this earth. I mean, if we were really going to be brutally honest with ourselves, and this is a challenge to every one of us, if we were going to be brutally honest, we would say that we treasure this earth more than we treasure what is in heaven. That our hearts drift more to the things of this world and this earth than the things of the world that is to come. In fact, there's one preacher who's preaching before his church and he asked the congregation, he says, how many of you want to go to heaven today? And, you know, everybody raises their hand except there's one dude in the back and he doesn't raise his hand. The preacher's like, what's up with that guy, you know? And so he goes, he, he says, how many of you, if you want to go to heaven today, I want everybody to stand up. And everybody stands up except for that one guy. The preacher's like, man, what is up with this guy, you know? So after church, he goes up to the guy and he's like, man, what's, what's wrong with you? You know, don't you want to go to heaven when you die? And the guy's like, yeah, I want to go to heaven when I die. I just thought you were getting ready to take a group today, you know? <laughs> you see, a lot of us, yeah, we want to go to heaven someday, but our heart doesn't drift towards that today. If we're honest, we would say, our life here is pretty great, man. I don't, I don't, I don't, can't we push heaven off? Or some of us would even say, man, I can't imagine how, how I love this earth. I love this life. I can't imagine how heaven could be any better than this. And so again, we look at God's word. In Psalm 84 verse 10 says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. He says, better is one day, better is one moment with God in heaven than your best day anywhere else. I would even argue on the flip side that your most dull and meaningless moment in heaven is still far greater than the best moment you've ever had on this earth. In fact, have you ever had one of those moments when you just say, man, I wish this could last forever. The conclusion to our story is we're on the beach, we're enjoying it, the sun's going down, and it's just this great, great setting. It's a great picture time. And, and all of a sudden, one of my sister-in-law says, hey, what's that? And here we're enjoying these kids, and there's a girl who is doing a calendar shoot on the Oregon coast, wearing next to nothing. And I'm like, kids, we got to go lay play this way, because again, we've had this great moment, and it's like, this could go on forever until some lady comes. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I got a teenage boy, let's go do something else, because this is not what you need to be. This doesn't make it perfect anymore, right? It was really weird. You know, Oregon coast... If you know anything about the Oregon coast, the water, you know, it's, it's all right. It's just not something you want to hang out in. And Oh, my gosh. Anyways, the, the, the reality of it is, is, is those moments when we say, man, I wish this could last forever. They don't. They don't last forever. The, all we know on this earth is temporary pleasures. So the first lie that Satan wants us to believe about heaven is that heaven can wait. And the second lie that Satan wants us to believe about heaven is that most people are going to heaven. I mean, if we were to go down to the farmer's market right over here on on 3rd, and we were to ask anybody at the farmer's market, most people would say, yeah, yeah, I think, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go to heaven when I die. You know, I'm pretty sure that's the case. You see, I think our culture has begun to deceive us. See, in fact, when we look at what Jesus said in the Bible in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said in verses 13 and 14, He said, enter by the narrow gate. He says, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are, how many does it say? Many. 
He says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are, again, how many? Few. He says, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Broad is the road that leads to hell and many are on it. And he says, narrow is the road that leads to life. That is heaven and few are on it. You see, our modern psychology has, has gotten us to believe that, you know, heaven is our default destination. Most of us are, are pretty good people. And so we have this idea that heaven is all about being good or being bad. And since most of us feel like we're pretty good, you know, our default destination is obviously heaven. But it's not. The Bible is very clear. Because of our sin, because of our sinful nature, our default destination is hell. The place that we studied last week. And we are bound for hell until the moment that we realize and we accept the grace and and the beauty and the love that God offers through his sinless son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for us. So what I want to do this morning, what I want to do this morning is I want to try to give us a a little glimpse about heaven. We're we're, going to be in Revelation chapter 21. If you have a Bible, if you want to turn to Revelation chapter 21, if you need a Bible, just slip your hand up and uh, Nate, our worship leader, would love to bring you one and uh, would encourage you have a Bible in front of you. If you have a smartphone or a tablet, you can also pull it up on there. Um, Revelation 21. What we're going to try to do today is begin just to give us a glimpse of what heaven is all about. The reality is, we are not going to be able, oh, we don't have enough time this morning to, to cover everything we can about heaven. So we're going to try and just give us a glimpse of what heaven is all about. And again, if you have questions about heaven, I encourage you, write them down. Turn them into the offering. Turn them into the, 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 the basket on the resource table. Because we'll spend some more time dealing with the questions of heaven and hell. But today, we're going to look in Revelation chapter 21, the first four verses. And we're going to see three specific glimpses about heaven. The book of Revelation was written by the apostle John while he was on the exiled on the isle, island of, of Patmos. And, and while he was there, he had a vision of heaven from God. And what we're seeing in Revelation 21 is his vision. So would you follow along as I read these, uh, these verses? Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And that is God's word for us today. Would you pray with me? God, we are so, uh, again, just thankful for the opportunity to gather here today, to be with your people, to be in this place And God, I pray as we are just trying to understand and get a glimpse of heaven, God, I pray that you would give us a a glimpse for what you have really prepared for us. God, we understand that your word says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart can even imagine all that you've prepared. But God, I pray that you would just give us a a little glimpse today. That you would, would give us that vision that this is so much greater than anything we could ever imagine. God, I pray that this would be rooted in your word. I pray as we we look in this book of Revelation that you would give us understanding today. 
God, we love you and praise you. We ask this in your name. Amen. So I told you there are three glimpses, three glimpses of heaven from this book that we want to look at. And the first one today is God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. This was very clear verse, from verse 1. Verse 1 says, John's writing, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven had passed away. Uh, the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Now, for those of you that own a boat, that really stinks, you know. Just kidding, just kidding. Actually, the new heaven and the new earth, we will have water there. But you got to remember their time when, when, when John was writing, the sea represented turmoil. When there, was, there was all sorts of chaos. When a storm was brewing, it was, it was disastrous. It was, it was difficult. It was terrible. And so, and so it's saying that those hard times, those hard times are all going to be gone. There will be no more storms, no more issues like that. And he says in verse 2, he says, And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. You see, following the return of Jesus, following the thousand-year reign, God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. Very clearly from verse 1, God is preparing this. And so what does this mean? What does this actually mean to us? See, this very same God, this very same God who offers every one of us new life. In Jesus Christ, this very same God who offers us a new resurrected and glorified body says he will bring a new heaven and a new earth. This idea of a new heaven and new earth is communicated all throughout scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament. As an example, the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 65 says, for behold, I will create. What does he say he's going to create? Uh, new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall, be rem- shall not be remembered or even come to mind. And you flip to the New Testament, and Second Peter chapter 3, Peter writes, But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Now this idea of the new heaven and new earth, the Bible doesn't give us a ton of what to, to picture. doesn't give us a ton of description of what that's going to be. And so, I think about it like this. I think about this earth. Most of us, we enjoy this earth, right? There are things about this earth that we love, that we appreciate, that we think are beautiful, right? I mean, me, I I just enjoy the beaches. I enjoy the beaches. Some of you, you enjoy the mountains. Some of you, you know, you enjoy gardening and flowers and and rainbows and and, and the stars and the heavens. I mean, think think about what it is about this earth that you love, that you appreciate, that you say, this is pretty marvelous, remarkable. Romans 8 says that this world, this old earth that we live in, it is because of Adam and Eve, because of their original sin, and because of our sinful nature, that this earth is under a curse. It is under a curse. It is under a bondage to decay. That this earth, much like our bodies, is breaking down. It is falling apart. It is, it is breaking down just like our bodies are. And look, this world, you know, we want to we wanna say this world is breaking down because of global warming or because of pollution or because of, of melting ice packs or all these different things. But no, the Bible is very clear. This world is falling apart because of a sinful nature. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't recycle. I'm not saying go sell your smart car. I mean, go for it. You know, I'm all for being good stewards with the resources we have. But I want us to understand that legislation and recycling can't fix this 
earth. Can't fix this world. This earth will only be made right when God creates for us a new earth. A new earth that is not under this curse of sin. So I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to figure out how do I describe to you this, what this new place is going to be like. Because it's, it's, it's essentially impossible for us to do. This is a place no eye has seen, nor ear has heard. So how do I communicate this to you? And I was thinking, you know, at least I can get you a couple of pictures that may begin to, to, to give you some sort of idea of what he's talking about on a new heaven and a new earth. I mean, anybody in here, anybody who enjoy gardening? Some people enjoy gardening. That's good. Good stuff. One of the things we're excited about here at Restoration Church, we're in the process of starting a, a ministry, uh, a community garden as a, as a ministry project. So we're in this process. If you're interested in gardening, we'd love for you to be a part of this. Uh, we've got a, a piece of land down on Natchez Avenue, and we're, we're working right now to begin to prep that space so we could do a community garden in the spring. So we're talking about fences, and we're talking about raised beds and, and soil and compost, and we're talking about weeds, and we're talking about irrigation pipes. And, and if... Uh, all these things you're like, yeah, that sounds fun. Hey, call, talk to Tom Hill. Tom would lo- love to talk with you about that. But if you've ever gardened, can you imagine what, what it would be like to garden in a place like the Garden of Eden? Can you imagine what it would be like to garden in a place without the curse, without weeds, without thorns, without animals and little children who come and trample in the garden? Can you imagine what that would be like? We can barely even begin to scratch the surface because everything we know is under the curse that this earth has. The second example is this. My, my dad, my dad was legally blind growing up. When he, when he was a child, he had some sort of accident and, and he lost his eyesight. And, and I, I knew that he could see a little bit, but I didn't quite understand. And so I, one day I said, hey, dad, dad, what do you see? You know, I know that you're blind, but dad, what do you see? And he said, well, he said, you know, in our backyard, there's two trees that were probably about where these columns are right here. He said, you see those two trees and they're 20 feet apart, 25 feet apart. I'm like, yeah, dad, I see those. He says, those two trees to me look like they're just one. And so his eyesight was was, 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 legally blind. He just could not see. One of the things my mom and dad used to do with us as a kid when my dad was still alive is they would take our family to ocean shores. Ocean Shores, Washington, and on the beach. And I remember my dad used to say, he'd say, man, this is so beautiful. This is the most beautiful place. The waves, the water that seems to go on forever, the, 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 the sandy beaches, this place is absolutely beautiful. So my dad, with whatever limited sight he had, this world was still beautiful to him. You see, this this is how you and I, this is how we see this earth. We have a filtered view of this earth, filtered by our sin nature, filtered by the curse that extends to everything on this earth. Everything that we look at and we say, this is remarkable. We have these filtered glasses on because we only see them through the curse. But there will come a day, there will come a day when we see the earth as it really is, as it was really meant to be. When, when we will be in a new heaven and a new earth, and there won't be a filter on our eyes. Well, there won't be brokenness. It'll be the way that God intended things to be. 
There will come a day that we see things not through the lens of the curse, but through the way that God designed them to be. Let me say, if you think this world is good, if you think this world is beautiful, I want you to understand this, that everything that we see is under the curse. There will come a time when it is redeemed, when it is restored, when the curse and the brokenness of sin has been removed, when God creates this new heaven and this new earth. And you will experience things that you've never imagined experiencing before. You will experience happiness and joy and beauty and harmony and peace and security and intimacy and fellowship and worship beyond than anything you could ever imagine. And all these feelings that we feel on this earth pale in comparison to what God is preparing for us. Because everything we experience now is through the lens of that curse. That is what God is preparing in this new heaven and this new earth. So the first conclusion that we draw from this passage is that God will create a new heaven and a new earth that will be unfiltered by sin and brokenness. The second thing that we can learn from this passage is also very powerful and it is that god will do away with death and mourning and pain look what he says in verse four he says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be any mourning nor crying nor pain anywhere for the former things have passed away did you hear that no more death no more mourning no more pain no more crying. No more reasons to cry. Imagine this. Think about it. I want you to think about what it is that bothers you. What is it that, that, that you feel that pain, that you've got these, these hurts inside of you? Maybe you've got headaches. No more. Migraines. Gone. Some of you, like me, you have this nagging back pain that always seems to be there. Guess what? gone. No more arthritis, no more sickness. All these things will pass away. Maybe, maybe some of you, even right now, you're worried. You are stressed. You are tense. You've got stress about your job. You've got stress about your finances. You've got stress about the economy and gas prices. You've got stress about the, 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 uh, the braces for your kids. And you've got stress about the fights that are happening in your marriage. And you've got all this stress going on. But guess what? There will be a day when that is no more. It will all be passed away. Think about this. How many of you have had someone close to you die? How many of you have had someone that you have loved die? And you feel this, 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 this hole inside of you. This deepness inside of you that just feels broken. Maybe, maybe you're one of these people that has this worry inside of you. Worry for the people around you. What if they die? What if this happens? Guess what? There will come a day when that is gone. When that is gone. So for those of you, for those of you who you've been hurt, you've, you've been hurt by someone that you were supposed to, that was supposed to love you, that you were supposed to be able to trust. Maybe you've got that hole inside of you. And you find it difficult anymore to trust and to love other people. Guess what? There will come a day when there's no more sin in relationships. There will come a day where you will be able to 
know and to be known. And you will be able to share your heart and you will be able to love intimately because there will be no more brokenness, no more sin in our relationships. I mean, think, think, about, think about this new heaven and this new earth. Think about this. No more poverty. No more babies. No more children being abused. No more disease. No more cancer. Wouldn't you love to live in a world where cancer was no more? No more, no more genocide. No more AIDS. No more orphans. Imagine a world with all of this gone. And think about this. Think about this. Any tear that you shed, for whatever reason, God himself will wipe every one of those tears away. See, how does this not pale in comparison to everything this world has to offer? I mean, we look at this world and we say, man, this world seems like such a good thing and I'm going to go and pursue this. How does what God says about heaven, how does that not sound so much better? How could we pursue this earth when God says, this is what I'm preparing for you? No more pain, no more broken relationships, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. How does that not sound so much better than what we pursue in this world? Everything we experience in this world, no relationship, no, no power, no amount of money, nothing in this world could, could ever give what God is preparing for us in eternity. So the first thing that we concluded was that God is preparing for us a new heaven and a new earth. The second thing that God will do away with, with death and, 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 and pain and, and crying. And the third thing that we find, and this is probably the most remarkable of all these conclusions, is that God himself will dwell with us. God himself will dwell with us. The creator of the universe will live with us. And this is the most shocking statement if we understand just the transcendence of who God really is. See, there's a story in Exodus chapter 33 where Moses says, Hey God, hey God, I want to see you. I just, God, I just want to peek. I, I want a little glimpse. I want to see you. I just, I just want to see you. And God said this. God says, you can't handle this. No one can look upon God and live. He says, you can't handle my glory. But this is what God says. God says, you can't handle it, but I'll tell you what. Moses, you go bury your face in the side of a mountain. And what I'll do is, is I will put my hand over you. And I will fly by you. And when I go by, I'll let you see just the very end. The, the tail end of my glory. Because anything more than that, you would not be able to handle. In fact, again in the New Testament, the high priest was allowed to go into the temple to the most holy place called the Holy of Holies. The Holies of Holies was a place that they believed that uh, God's presence resided. And the high priest could go into that place, the Holy of Holies, once a year. And the tradition says that when the high priest would go in there, the other priest would tie a rope around his waist. Because if he went into God's presence and he died, they want to be able to pull him out. Because they realized Nobody can live in light of God's presence. And yet this is what scripture says. <laughs> it says in verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the, throne, from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. God will dwell with them. We will dwell in his presence as we've never experienced before. 
Do you understand that this verse fulfills the greatest dreams of God? His greatest dream is to be able to have unbroken fellowship with every one of us. And there will come a day in heaven when he will experience what he's dreamed about for so long. Unbroken fellowship with every one of us. Some of you, you begin to sympathize about that unbroken fellowship. Maybe there's been a break in your relationship with your kids. And you aren't as close to them as you wish you could be. Maybe, maybe you've got grandkids or, or, or parents or siblings. And, you know, you only get together every once in a blue moon. But for you, when you're all together, it's like, it's like everything is at its best. And that's the way it's supposed to be when you're all together. And you have this longing to be with those people. Samantha and I, as, as our kids have grown up, you know, one of the things that kids start doing when they grow up is they go to camp. And the first time our kids go to camp, you know, the first day you're like, yes, praise God, get out of here, you know. But then the second and the third day hit, and you know, it just seems like something isn't right. It seems like, you know, our family just isn't right. We're not, we're not all together. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And, and, and so the day comes when you go pick your kids up from camp, and I'm always like, Samantha, you stay home. I'll go because I need my, my son back. I need my kid back because I need our family to be back together so things are again right. And that's a little bit that longing for the unbroken fellowship with our, with our family. And we have these longings for it. That's God's dream for us. That he would have unbroken fellowship with us. Revelation chapter 22 verse 3. The next chapter says, 3 and 4 says, No longer will be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. He says in verse 4, he says this, They will see his face. We will see the face of God. At that point, in that moment, when God dwells with us, we will truly see God the way he is. And our lives will forever be altered. We will see him in all of his goodness. We will see him in all of his glory. We will see him in all of his mercy. We will see him in all of his grace. At that moment, every one of the attributes of God will become so real for us. All of a sudden, we will look at him. We will say, God, you are my rock. God, you are my salvation. God, you are my redeemer. God, you are my righteousness. God, you are my provider. God, you are my comforter. God, you are everything I ever desired and imagined. God, you are the fulfillment of all of those things. That is what it means to live in the presence of God, and to have God dwell among us. Three glimpses of heaven. First is that God establishing a new heaven and a new earth. Second, that God will take away death and mourning and pain. And thirdly, that God will dwell among us. So what does it have to do with us here today? What does this mean to us today? Listen, don't believe the lies. Don't believe the lies that heaven can wait. It can't. Don't let your life be all about this world. Don't focus your life on storing up riches and experience in this world. But make God and make his kingdom your priority. 
So many of us, we focus so much on building a legacy for ourselves on this earth. We want to build a reputation. We want to build our own little kingdom on this earth. Man, we're wasting our time. What if we had the the gunction to, to build a spiritual legacy that would change the generations to come? Don't believe that heaven can wait. Don't believe heaven can wait. Because it can't. It can't. And don't believe the lie that most people are going to heaven. Because heaven is not our default destination. Heaven has nothing to do with being good or bad. Our society has got this so screwed up. We think heaven is for the good people and hell is for the bad people. It has nothing to do with good and bad. We've said this the last couple of weeks. That that really there's only two options. Either death will destroy you. Or Jesus will destroy death for you. The question is what you do with Jesus. Either you're going to reject him. Either you're going to be indifferent to him. And death will destroy you. Or you will choose to surrender your life. And say Jesus I'm yours. Jesus I'm yours. And at that moment. Jesus will destroy death for you. Jesus becomes your way to heaven. There's no other way has nothing to do with being good or bad. It all has to do with what we will do with Jesus. As we come to a close this morning, if you're a believer in here today, if you're a Christian, would you take some time with me and pray in light of eternity? Pray that God would convict us that that we would not live for this world that we will not make the experience of this, of this world our priority. That we would not make wealth and, and, and relationships and, and career and, and, and popularity and all these things. That we wouldn't make these our priority. That we would make heaven the priority. That we would live in the reality of eternity. Of both heavens and the horrors of hell. That we wouldn't live for all that this world has to offer. That we would live for the rewards to come in heaven. And if you're an unbeliever here this morning, can I just pray for you? Can I pray that God would open your eyes to eternity? Can I pray that God would give you an understanding of the horrors of hell and the reality of heaven? I imagine you've come here today looking for answers, looking for answers about life and how life can flow better and how life could just be a little bit better. Let me just say this. Let me just say that Christ is infinitely infinitely better than anything you could ever dream of. Than anything on this earth that you can imagine. Christ is better than all of that. So I encourage you today surrender your life to Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, we are so thankful for the opportunity to be here today to Open up your word. God, I pray as we we deal with this sermon series, Life After Death, God, I pray that you would give us the understanding of what comes, that this life is not all there is. God, we are so tempted all the time to live for what this world has to offer. But God, this world is, is passing. This world is temporary. There is an eternity that you are preparing for us, God. And, and it is a reality for every one of us that after this life, there is something to come. Either we're going to be faced with the horrors of hell 
Or are we going to be faced with the unimaginable idea of heaven? God, I pray that you would give us a proper understanding. I pray that you would give us a desire, God, that we would desire to have what it is that you are preparing for us. Even as we try and get a glimpse of what it is, even as we try to increase our understanding for what you have prepared for us. God, I pray that you would put it in our hearts that that would be our greatest desire. That our greatest desire wouldn't be all this world has to offer, but it would be to be in your dwelling place. To have and to live in your presence. God, I, I pray for those in here today who are coming, who, God, who don't know you as their Savior. I pray, Lord, that you would use this sermon series, that you would use these topics, God, to give us the, the, the reality of heaven and hell in our minds. And that you would bring us to the point that we would finally be ready to say, Jesus, I choose you. Jesus, I surrender my life. I lay it down and I say, I'm yours, God. I will follow you. I will be yours. God, I pray for those of us in here today who are struggling with the weights of the world, who have all these pressures and all these things going on. God, I pray that you would wrap your arms around us right now. I pray even now that you would give us a, a, a glimpse of heaven in our own hearts. That as we talk about all these things, that God, you will give us a greater peace, a greater understanding, a greater love that we could ever imagine in heaven. God, I pray that we would experience even just a piece of that right here, right now. That your love would engulf us. That you would wrap your arms around us. And that we would be able to say, I feel you today, God. And I surrender myself to you. God, I pray for your spirit that it would rest on every one of us that you would meet us in this place. And I pray as we have this opportunity to respond to who you are through worship. God, I pray for some of us that need to spend some time in prayer, that we would take this time, these next couple of songs, and just cry out to you. Say, God, I need, God, I need you. God, I need your presence. God, I need your, your hand in my life. God, I need your love to, to overflow me today. God, I pray for those of us who just need to spend some time in worship. I pray as we have the opportunity to sing these next couple of songs that you would help us just to close our eyes and to worship you and praise you for who you are. That we'd be able to get lost in singing praise to how amazing and how great you are. God, I pray as a church and as a people that we would live in light of eternity. And that we would look forward to what it is that you're preparing for us in heaven. God, we ask this in your holy and precious name. Amen.